0: With you again. Uh, sorry that uh, during my somewhat introduction, I looked like an idiot back there fumbling with my jacket. I was trying to get this wireless mic put on right, and my arm was tangled up in the the wire. So I guess I'm not John MacArthur where somebody's putting it on for him and all that. <laughs> and thank you so much for this water. Uh, I feel like I need it this morning. You mentioned water. Does anybody want to drink? I mean. Uh, Well, I feel honored and privileged to uh, fill in for Matt again. And um, he is going through the book of Acts, so you need no introduction on what's taking place here, but uh, he has charged me with Acts chapter 12. And, um, you know, when I first read through Acts chapter 12, I thought, well, you know, that's pretty cut and dry. What kind of sermon am I going to get out of there, God? I know you've got it there for a reason. And before it was done, I thought, wow, there's all kinds of stuff you can get out of Acts chapter 12. I read two different commentaries, every word they had to say on Acts chapter 12. And so my head is kind of full of a lot of stuff, so I wrote things down so I wouldn't stumble and ramble. But more so than you may realize, this chapter in Acts is very applicable to us today. And I want you, first of all, my hope and prayer for today is if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then that's my first and foremost hope that today will be a day of salvation for you. Uh, Secondly, for the saints, I hope that you would be encouraged and reminded of who God is. Sometimes I wonder when we sing the songs like we just sang, um, and we read the Scripture and we think about things, do we really grasp our Almighty God and who He is? Just like it said in Isaiah this morning as we read, he, the Creator, you know, the one, He knows everything. He needs nothing from us. We need everything from Him. So, before I read, I want to pray, and, pray, and then we'll just dive right in. Father, thank you again for the privilege to be here with your people. And we pray that uh, Brother Matt and Aaron are getting an enjoyable rest, a, a revival of sorts. And Lord, that you would uh, bring them back to their people quickly and safely, whom I know they love so much, and the people love them. So it is a privilege to be here today, but the biggest honor is just the fact that it's your word. And I pray that you would keep me hidden, that you would speak where we would hear from you, where we would see where you are speaking to us about yourself, that we would realize this is all about you. I pray that uh, any lost would be saved for your glory, for the kingdom to grow as we see that it continued to grow in this passage we're going to read. I pray for those that are here today that know you. be strengthened and encouraged with all might, and have the same peace that we'll see the apostle Peter had. We thank you for loving us, in Jesus' name, amen. So, in in the chapter 12 of Acts and so many other places in the Bible are, are a lot like today. Between Satan and the people, the rulers of this world... They try to tear the church down. They try to make the church seem irrelevant. They try to make light of God. They try to deny the fact that Jesus Christ came to this earth, lived and died on a cross and rose again because we know that Jesus said you either belong to Him or you belong to your father, the devil. So, the first thing I think is important for people to understand nowadays, whether they believe it or not, that's what Jesus said. There's only two options. Just like in the end, it says he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. There's nothing else. There's nothing. There's no third party. There's no third choice. You either belong to Jesus or you belong to your father, the devil. I, I attend a Friday morning Bible study with a lot of men, and um, it's one of the greatest. It's a, I love it. And it's real Bible study. We're not just over there shooting the breeze. And we're in Revelation right now, which is very interesting. And you get a lot of perspectives. And I love the fact that nobody claims to have it all figured out. We read the text. We pray. We discuss it. But I've talked through the whole book of Revelation two different occasions in my life. And I go back and say, I don't know if I was right about that. It's challenging, and you can't just take that book alone, right? But one of the things that we all agree on is that the very God that we see in there that is going to return, and when we see Christ described with the flames in His eyes, the sword coming out of His mouth, those kind of things, he, His plan is His plan. It's not going to be thwarted by any man. And on that day... You need to know where you belong. You belong to him or you belong to your father the devil. We see the people in here that even claimed to know all about God didn't know him at all and trying to destroy the very work that God was doing and they could not. So let's look at what it says here and uh, I'm going to read through the whole chapter and then we're going to break it down. About that time, and as you, you guys were in chapter 11 last time, and they were sending the relief out to Judea, about that same time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with a sword, and when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. And now when Herod was about to bring him out, on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, "'Where many were gathered together and were praying. "'And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, "'a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. "'And recognizing Peter's voice and her joy, "'she did not open the gate, "'but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. "'And they said to her, You are out of your mind. "'But she kept insisting that it was so, "'and they kept saying, It is his angel. "'But Peter continued knocking. "'And when they opened, they saw him and were amazed.' But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of prison. And he said, Tell these things to James and to the brothers. And then he departed and went to another place. And now when day came, there was no little disturbance among the soldiers over what had become of Peter. And after Herod searched for him and did not find him, he examined the sentries and ordered that they should be put to death. And then he went down from Judea to Caesarea and spent time there. because he did not give God the glory, and was eaten by worms and breathed his last. But the word of God increased and multiplied, and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. I think it's very interesting that uh, you see Herod Agrippa, who was the grandson... of. Of this very Herod that tried to have Jesus executed as a child. You see men acting out of fear and wanting control. And God's not going to have it. I'm going to give you some verses. Proverbs twenty one, one says, A king's heart is like streams of water in the Lord's hand. He directs it wherever he chooses. I think it's interesting that Herod thought this power belonged to him to tear down the work of the church. Psalm 37, 23, and 24, The steps of a man are established by the Lord. When he delights in his way, though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. That's gonna, I'm gonna, we're going to apply that to Peter. And then Matthew 16, 18, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. James is in here. We'll talk about James. This James is the brother of John. This is not James that wrote the book of James. This, that was Jesus' half-brother. This is James, one of the sons of thunder, James and John. This is the first... And only apostle that we see recorded in Scripture his martyrdom. History tells us all the apostles but John were martyred, but it's not in the Scripture except for James, the actual taking place of it. We know Judas died, but that was not martyrdom. Uh, He was was the, the son of perdition, as Jesus called him. So this James that we're speaking of, was very active in the church. As the church was started, as you've already read, how they were called Christians for the first time, the apostles were starting. But if you go back in your last chapter, you see the word elders used, and the elders are who became the leaders in the church as the apostles weren't there anymore, the plurality of men that lead the church, churches. And I'm not going to spend time with that. I'm just kind of tying this in. So, Herod, this Herod Agrippa, being the grandson of who he was, he also had problems of his own. See, he, according to the notes I read by John MacArthur, he had run up a great deal of debt where he was, and he fled, and then he was put into prison for a little while. So, he's not doing too well. And then when one person dies, he's let out and made a ruler. Kind of like today in politics, isn't it? Just go to prison and get a bunch of charges slapped on you. And when you get out, we got a spot for you on the city council. Or president of the United States, whichever way you want to look at it. Uh, Because this is the world's way. This is not God's way. But all along, God is directing. God has a plan. God is using these people. Herod has no idea that what he's about to do to James falls right into what Jesus said. And the first point in today's message is, according to God's Word, about that time Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. So the first thing he did was he just went after other people in the church, violently. Some passages say harassed but they were either being killed or imprisoned. And then he killed James with the sword. Just a little note, if you go back to Deuteronomy, anytime somebody was killed with a sword like that in this setting, the charge was that they were leading people to follow false gods. So Herod is coming alongside all these Jews. See, he needs these Jews. He needs these Jews to be his buddies because Rome doesn't really like him that much, but he is this... this, king this leader at this time so he's trying to win favor you know he needs a friend nobody likes herod so he wants the jews to be his buddy so he says i'll kill james with the sword and it says and when he saw it pleased the jews and he said i'm gonna get peter next so he's trying to build his kingdom with evil and trying to deny god Well, he's not doing anything that God's Word has not already said. If you'll look with me in Matthew chapter 20. If you don't want to turn there, just note it. Matthew 20, verse 20 through 23. This is a time when the apostles are with Jesus. And here comes James and John's mother... In Matthew chapter 20, verse 20 through 23, And the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him, came up to Jesus with her sons, which would be James and John, and kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, What do you want? And she said to him, Say that these two sons of mine are to sit one on your right hand and one on your left in your kingdom. You can't blame a mom for wanting something good for her Kids, but that's a pretty big thing to ask. And Jesus answered, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? And they, James and John, said to him, we are able. And he said to them, you will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, but is for those for whom it has been prepared by my Father. James was told that very moment, he was going to drink the cup, the cup of wrath. He was executed with a sword. Literally, his head was cut off because he stood for Christ. We talked about this in our Bible study. One of the questions came up because we were in the passage talking about the souls of the martyrs. I want you to see all this application that I can pull out of here today. If they come with a sword, are you ready to stand? We all say, yeah, yeah, yeah. The question that day was, what does it take? How does it feel to face martyrdom? That correct answer, I do believe, is we don't know because we've not had to face it. Any of you ever read Book of Martyrs or get their publications, when people in other parts of the world are regularly martyred for the cause of Christ, and when their very children encourage their parents, don't deny Jesus when the, parent, when the children are the ones that are about to be martyred. That's standing firm. That's everything you've got poured out to Jesus. That's what James and all these other apostles did. John's the only one that they didn't kill. They boiled, boiled, boiled him in oil, they exiled him. that never, We never see in history that he actually was executed, that he died of an old, old age. but he was willing. James was willing. Herod thought he was doing something great, making these Jews happy that claimed they knew this God that James was literally dying for because that's what Jesus said would happen. I remind you, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. He was talking about his death on the cross, and that's exactly how he died. So we see that according to God's Word. The second thing is according to God's timing. In verse 3 through 17, we're going to look through there. So Herod sees how happy this makes the Jews. He's got some friends now. So he says, I'm going to go get Peter. Peter, the big dog right now, you know. Peter, the main leader. And if you remember that inner circle of apostles around Christ, Peter and James were both a part of that. So they seize him and put him in prison And this was during the days of unleavened bread. So this, the Passover was coming up and Herod didn't want to do this, bring him out and give him this so-called trial and turn him over to the Jews, which he was trying to execute him too. during this time because there was a lot going on. He really wanted the Jews to like him a lot and be able to show out. So he wanted all the attention he could get to what's going on here. And he doesn't want Peter to get away He thinks he's going to treat Peter like a really bad dude because it says they put him with four squads of soldiers to guard him. Four squads, 16 men to guard one guy. The squads rotated, so two men were chained to Peter at all times. Two men were guarding the door at all times. When their shift ended, the next four took their places. It's highly unlikely most people were going to get out of that situation. But you think about it. Sixteen people assigned to guard Peter. Herod really wants to have this day with him not because he really doesn't like Peter, because Herod has set himself up as this great ruler and does not care anything about God, and the Jews hated Jesus and his followers so bad, not all Jews, these Jews that it speaks of in the Scripture here, that they didn't care what it took to get rid of these so-called Christians. So Herod was happy to oblige them So he's chained up, and it says, now when Herod was about to bring him out on the the very night that he was about to bring him out, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. Peter wasn't worried. Peter was relaxed. Not only was he sleeping, he was undressed. He didn't have his shoes on. The guy was snoozing. Application for us. Can we live with that little bit of anxiety? The Bible says be anxious for nothing. Do we believe that God is really in control? Peter is chained up between dudes, guys outside the door. He knows what Herod's trying to do. He's in there taking a nap. We know he's asleep because it says that he was bound with the sentries and behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him. And light shone in the cell and Peter's still sleeping. So it says the angel struck Peter on the side. Now, I was reading one commentary about that. Matthew Henry said, not that he smacked him real hard. He just tapped him, you know. I mean, I don't think he, get up, boy. Let's go. But sometimes we need that. I'm glad somebody besides me acknowledged that. I think that's what God wants to do sometimes, say, get up, I'm God, I'm in control, let's go. I was uh, listening to, well, listening to it, not reading through the book of Exodus, Um, I'm reading somewhere else and I'm listening to Exodus, and all the excuses Moses was giving God while he wasn't the guy. And I was thinking about this, and I wonder if God said, you better get up and go. I'm about to strike you. (laughs) So it says this angel struck him in the side and woke him up, saying, get up quickly. And the chains fell off. You notice it doesn't say the angel unlocked the chains. The chains fell off. Not only that, the angel said, dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you. Like, we are actually leaving. Get your coat. So he puts his cloak around him. And he went out and he followed him. And he did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. And then they passed the first and the second guard, and they came to the iron gate leading into the city. And I know this, I don't want to over spiritualize this, but I love this. It said, It opened for them of its own accord. I don't know why that has stuck out to me. Every time I keep going through this passage, they walk up to the iron gate that is locked. I mean, they've already cruised past all the guards. I mean, he's getting dressed and putting his coat on. There's two guards right there. The chains fell off of Peter. They're right there. Then they walk out the door. There's those guards, the first guard, the second guard. They come to the iron gate. The chains just fell off. Now the door just opens. See, this this is who God is. This this is Our creator, our redeemer, the lover of our souls, the one that has guaranteed you if you trust in his Lord, his son, his Lord and Savior, you will spend eternity with him in paradise. No matter what man tries to do to you here, they have nothing except what God allows. Does that sound familiar? Pilate in all his pomp and circumstances talking down to Jesus, Jesus said, you've got nothing except what my Father allows you to do. Jesus said, no man takes my life. I lay it down. That's the same God. If you belong to Him, that's your God. doesn't matter what men try to do or what men try to say. It doesn't matter what your friends try to lead you astray. Let me tell you something. Let me talk to you young people for a minute. And I want you to listen, because I was young one time, That may be hard to believe. And when I was your age, I didn't give a rip about Jesus. I cared about me. And I wanted to be cool and I wanted to fit in. I ran with the wrong people and I did all the wrong stuff. And I'm not telling you this to glorify it. I'm telling you because young people, you need to listen to people that have been there. It's real. And unless you've ever woke up in the middle of the night and been terrified with sweat pouring down your body because you knew you were going to die and go to hell, you don't understand what I'm talking about. But your friends and your buddies ain't always going to be there. Don't listen to them unless they're leading you to grow in Jesus Christ. Girls, don't listen to these jerk guys that are out there because they're going to be like I was. They don't care about you. They don't care about making you a more godly young woman. They don't see you as a sister in Christ, created in God's image. They see you as an object for their enjoyment. Young men, you better pay attention. I'm not going to let the girls off the hook either. They're the same way. If they're not leading you to grow in Christ and wanting to see you develop into a godly young man, get away from them because they have other plans. And the people that say just a little bit is not going to hurt you. Yes, it is. Because a little bit leads to a lot. Oh, no, not me. I can control it. No, you can't. I promise. You can say it all day. And you can even try to make yourself believe it. And one day you're going to wake up in the worst shape of your life and realize that you are slowly killing yourself. And you got no hope and nobody to turn to, and nobody to cry to, because they're not your real friends. Jesus is the one that sticks closer than a friend and a brother, and if you follow him, who cares what anybody else says? Peter was not worried because he knew who he hung with. You think you can get away with that, and you can walk out the door, and man, we hear that all the time. I don't care if you hear it a million times. I don't care if you hear it till the day you die. Listen. Listen to me. You can sit there and say, look, old guy, you don't know what you're talking about. It's a different age. This is 2024. Yes, I do. Same stuff been going on since then. Nothing new under the sun. They may have some new names out there. May have figured out how to make things look a little different, but it's all the same. I truly care about especially young people. I would do anything in my power to keep a young person from living the life I lived. It's not exciting and it's not fun. Believe it or not, the most fun I've ever had in my life is since at 25 years old I came to know Jesus. Because I have hope, I felt loved. So you think these guys and girls, oh, I love you so much. Oh, one day we're gonna get married. Please. Yeah, right. You're driving some hush puppies and you you know, mooching money off your mom and daddy and you're telling this girl you're gonna marry her. hmm And no, we can laugh about it, I'm serious. And the sad part is some of y'all believe that junk. because they're smooth talkers. The world has its ways. You need to make sure the people you are around are the people that are the ones like in this household of Mary, the mother of Mark, who are praying, who are loving the Lord, who want to see the kingdom further. They want to see you grow in Him and make a difference for God because at the end, the day is going to come, you're 50 years, 70 years, 80 years, whatever God gives you if He tarries, and then it's over. And then the reality of eternity, we don't think about it like this now. My eternity has already started with Jesus 30 years ago when I got saved, soon to be 31 years. Now that I think about it, but that's when you face it, and that's when whatever decision you have made in your life and where you stand with the Lord, there's no turning back. You can think, "Well, I'm still alive; I got plenty of time, preacher." Yeah, a lot of people think they got plenty of time. Whole lot of them. You read about them every day; they got no more time. They thought they had plenty of time. Even though James knew Jesus said he was going to drink the same cup, he didn't know when. He didn't know when. The day that they came and got him, he probably didn't know that was going to be the day. Only God knows that. But he was living for the Lord. He was walking with him. All right, I'm going to move on. Told you there's a lot in here. So they come out of this gate that opens up. It's pretty cool what all you can get out of a passage about a gate opening by itself. I think I'll write a book on that passage. (laughs) Joking. You don't want to read anything I write. So they come through the gate, the angel's gone. Peter came to himself in verse 11 and said, Now I'm sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. You see what Peter's saying? The Lord rescued him from the hand of Herod and all the Jewish people were expecting. The expectation was now they were going to get to see Peter put to the sword. But when I said... The second point was God's timing. I did tell you all that, right? According to God's timing. Do you remember when Jesus came to Peter after his resurrection and said, Peter, do you love me? Three times, and Peter answers him three times. And he says, when you're a young man, you went where you wanted to and did what you wanted to. But when you're an old man, you're going to be led somewhere you don't want to go signifying the day was going to come and Peter was going to die for the cause of Christ. I think maybe part of the reason Peter could relax is he's thinking, not old man yet. Ain't my time. Herod, he thinks he's all that, you guards. It <laughs> doesn't tell us. He's probably in there witnessing to the guards. I mean, that's usually what the apostles did when they were in prison. We see Paul talking about it, Paul and Silas praising the Lord. I wouldn't expect anything different from Peter, the rock. And you guard I mean, you never know, he could have said, "You guys may think, not think so, but uh I'll be seeing y'all around a little longer. Those guards probably don't know what's going on, but Peter was not worried, so he's out in the street, which is probably not the safest place to be right now because he's an escaped prisoner. And this was, it said, the very night. So Herod was getting ready to get him. So there were probably people up and about and stirring. And he comes to the door, says he realizes this, and he comes to the house of Mary. Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark. So this is not John the apostle, and this is not John that wrote the book of John. This is Mark that wrote the book of Mark. This is the Mark that goes on mission. This is the Mark that Paul gets upset with, but later on says he's useful to me. Could you send him? Grace, mercy, forgiveness, all applied right there from Paul to Mark and back and forth. So this is that Mark. This is his house. He's not there right now. We'll see that in a little bit, but this is his mother. And so Peter comes and he knocks on the door where many were gathered together and were praying. And it is said back over in verse 5 that there was prayer being made for Peter. And now there's many gathered in this one house praying and he comes and knocks on the door. And I tried my best to figure out the specifics of why the servant's girl's name would have been mentioned. The only thing I can come to is when Luke wrote this, somebody knew who she was. God wanted her name in here. Her name's recorded. It was a girl named Rhoda, and she came to answer the door, and Peter's knocking, and she recognizes Peter's voice, and I love this. In her joy, she didn't open the gate, but ran in and said, he's out there. She didn't open it. Peter, it's Peter. He's out there knocking on the door. In her joy, in her great excitement, Peter's out there knocking on the door and she doesn't open the door. She goes back and tells him. Well, they tell her, you're crazy. And Peter ain't out there. Look what it says. They literally said, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. Now, all she had to do was go open the door. <laughs> but she's arguing with them. She's defending herself. And they kept saying, it's his angel. Now, I read about that. In a commentary, uh, matter of fact, it was John MacArthur's commentary. I used MacArthur and Matthew Henry for this one. And he said there was a superstition the Jews had that if some, that everybody had a guardian angel and when they were killed, when they died, the angel came back appearing to be them. <laughs> That's kind of out there. But uh, anyway, so they're saying it's his angel, but Peter continued knocking And when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. Now, application, right here, I want to share with you. They're praying for Peter, and then when God answers their prayer, they don't believe it. Is that ever us? Do you pray God's probably not really going to do this, but I'm going to to ask him anyway. I believe Jesus taught us that we're supposed to pray and believe. And James tells us that the affected, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. But, you know, we're not going to beat them up. I mean, there's a lot going on. I mean, James, not the James that wrote that, but the other James has been killed, Peter's in prison and they're probably a little scared. So they're all excited. I did skip one little passage and I don't want to leave you in the lurch on that. Back in verse 6, it says when Herod, I mean not verse 6, I'm sorry. Well, we really haven't got there, so I'll tell you in a minute. Well, I'll tell you and get it out of the way. When they found out Peter wasn't there and they went searching for him and Herod questioned the guards and there was no answer, he had all of them killed because there was a code at the time that if a prisoner was guarded and he escaped, whatever their penalty was going to be, the guard got. So there again, we see what they intended for Peter was death. But God said, not yet. He's not an old man. You're not going to lead him where he doesn't want to go until I say. So he, Peter calms them down and tells them He says, motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And then I love this. Some more application here. He said to them, tell these things to James and to the brothers. And then he departed and went to another place. And just a note on that, you don't really see much about Peter in the rest of the book of Acts. It's more focused on Paul. But Peter left that area at this time but before he left he wanted encouragement to be given to the brethren go tell James the James that writes the book of James Jesus' brother how often do we encourage the brothers and sisters that we know when God does something wonderful in our lives do you share that I don't know what y'all do during the middle week right now. I can't remember. I'm sure I've been told, but uh, a lot of churches have prayer meeting. I want to pray for Aunt Sally's big toe. She got a hangnail. I want to pray for my brothers, sisters, mothers, cousins, uncle. He's got a cold. And on and on and on. And some prayers are even more serious. And we spend a lot of time, you can spend a lot of time taking prayer requests. How many times, and I'm not saying never, but how many times does somebody say, I want to tell you what Jesus has done in my life today. I want to tell you what the Father has done. I want to tell you about this answered prayer. I want to tell you how I was delivered. I want to tell you how I was healed. I want you to be encouraged I know your family's a wreck right now, but there's hope. God's a restorer of the days that the locusts have taken. Do we do do what Peter said? Specifically, tell James and the others. This is a group that was so excited and worked up when they saw Peter, he had to motion to get them to be quiet. And he says, now you tell others. Let them know. In other words, tell them to stand fast. Their life is in God's hands and His timing. Do you believe that today? Do you know there are people that live every day of their life worried about when they're going to die? I'm not talking about people that are sick. I'm talking about healthy people. They've always got something to worry about, which is very unhealthy. Be anxious. For nothing. Why? Because God's in control. If God could speak the world into existence and set time in motion, don't. It, and He says it's appointed unto man wants to die and then the judgment appointed. In other words, your time is already set. You're not going to change it. Even if you go do something stupid, and you die, that was the appointed time. And if you go to the gym and work out every day and eat nothing but lettuce and, and you're one of those kind of people that my doctor wishes I was and all that kind of stuff, it still doesn't mean you're going to outlive me. It means your time is appointed. I'm not, I'm not against taking care of ourselves, don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying Man is not going to change God's timing. We can't do it. And the last thing is according to God's plan. So now Herod was angry with the... Well, first, let me give you this little note right here because it was so funny. (laughs) Again, I'm going to refer this to John MacArthur. I wish I could take credit for thinking this up said after Herod searched for him and did not find him and examined him and put him to death, said then he went down to Judea in Caesarea because he was upset and he needed a vacation. <laughs> he needed some time away. I thought that was hilarious. But he went and spent time there. You think about it. Herod had a whole reason for doing this and now it was blown and he wasn't going to make more friends. And then he got angry So according to God's plan, after his little vacation, he got angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon and they came to him with one accord and having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace. So what was happening here was Herod was angry with this other territory that as we see in the passage here that depended on him for food and other stuff like that. Well, the, the way it worked is if the king got angry at somebody then this guy Blastus, he was his chamberlain. He was like a mediator. So the people came to him and said, "Hey, can you smooth it out for us?" Man, we, you know we don't want to make him mad. So he smooths it out for him, and it says that on an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes. Now, these robes I read about this. it was very interesting. Had silver in them. They were made with silver and things. And when the sun hit it, it it's just blinding, sparkling. You, You couldn't even hardly look at him because the light was reflecting so much. I mean, can you think of how arrogant somebody has to be to have their robe made out of silver? I mean, he he had a pretty high opinion of himself. And he put on his royal robes and his whole whole attitude here, he took his seat upon the throne and delivered an oration to them. Oration, however you pronounce it. I came from O'Cavin, I don't know, but they didn't teach me that word. And uh, basically he gave a speech. And probably considering, you see the detail that he was angry and then it got smoothed out, he's probably there letting them know how merciful he's been and how, okay, this is how it's going to be and I'm going to, you know, be all this. Now, look at what happens here, what the people do. It says, and the people were shouting, the voice of a God and not a man. You see what that says? They set Herod up to be a god and he didn't deny it. He was liking that. And all they were doing was, for lack of a better term, smooching up. And immediately, immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory. If he would have said, well, I don't know, because this is what happened, but he didn't say, I'm not a God. I'm just a good speaker, and I got a cool robe. You need to be thanking God, even if this weren't even so, but something, give God the glory, but it says he gave, did not give God the glory, and immediately he was struck down, and he was eaten by worms and breathed his Last. You want that to be written about you one day? Eaten by worms and breed your last. So I read about that too, and that's literally what happened to him. And it went into kind of details that I'm not going to go into because it's kind of gross. But history says that he suffered in excruciating pain for five days before he died. That's what Josephus writes, the great historian. You don't try to take the place of God. You're going to get up there and take God's glory? Better watch out for the worms. Because that's literally what just happened. And he breathed his last. But according to God's plan, with all that Herod was trying to do to wreck the church, went over the Jews, all the Jews were trying to do to stop the church, stop the spread. Verse 24, but the word of God increased and multiplied. The church grew. Back up in the book of Acts, I've already covered it 3,000 in one day. Every time persecution came, the church grew. You can't stop God's plan. You're not going to destroy His bride. You have been bought with a price. You are not your own. You belong to Him. He gave His Son, Jesus, us as a church, as a born-again believer, is the body to be his bride, and no man is going to stop it. Jesus told Peter, on this rock I'm going to build the church and the gates of hell will not prevail. God's church will prevail. It's going to prevail, and we're going to exist until the time he comes back for us. Do you believe that? Do you live like that? Do you have that kind of peace? Look, we have brothers and sisters that are being persecuted all over the world right now. And all we're doing is getting fatter and lazier in America. Sometimes I believe when the Bible talks about that great falling away, most of it's going to happen right here in the USA. We jokingly mentioned politics or our country or whatever, and I heard Brother Stan pray about our country so divided. Divided as in conservatives versus liberals. Where does that put the Christian? We don't even have enough Christians in this country anymore to vote for the right people. And I'm not trying to tell you to vote for, but if you're voting for people that are against God and against His stuff, you're not voting for the right people. And they're probably not much of a choice anymore. But we got to stand firm. The country looks like it looks because it is what it is. If we had more Christians in this country than we do lost people, things would look different. That's just the the way it would be. That's just a fact. So we don't need to be walking around like we're God's special people anymore he's blessed us beyond measure and all we do is kick him out of everything and spit in his face and tell him we don't want anything to do with it if i want to be this boy or a girl or whatever i want to be i can be it i can marry whoever i want to if they want to call it that i can live how i want to i can do what i want to because i don't care what your word says all along those people are being blessed by the common grace of god and we stand by and watch and I believe that's how come we are where we are today because we've stood by and sat on our laurels cuz we got it good and nobody's bothering me. See these people during this time were vocal. They were dying to get the church out there and God honored it and the gospel spread. Look at where the gospel's spreading today. Look at the numbers today if you the numbers don't usually lie how much is the gospel spreading in America look at churches that just since COVID people haven't come back they're going to ride that COVID thing to the end of time I'm not making light of being sick or anything like that but sooner or later if you love Jesus you've got to get back with his people and if you can just stay out forever then I don't know you want to see where the gospel's spreading, where people growing? Go, the gospel's growing, the church is growing. China. I talked to somebody the other day that has been on the mission field for many times. You'd be surprised about Iraq and Iran. I was. And there's a connection, persecution. So we got it easy. We don't have to struggle. Nobody's storming that door. Sorry to get worked up there. <clears throat> and I'm pointing at myself. Do I even go across the street to my neighbor's house? Who's not going to shoot at me? Might say, hey, I don't want to talk about it. My coworkers. The person that waits on you at the restaurant. Your mama or daddy. Maybe your best friend. We're too scared. We don't want to offend them. We're going to love them right on into hell. These people were willing to die to let people know how much they were loved by what Jesus had done for them. And God's plan wasn't going to be thwarted. So don't misunderstand me when I say the church is going to prevail. America is not the only place the church exists. And the only thing that's really destroying the church here is the lack of God's people doing what they need to do. And then the last part of this chapter, because I don't want to leave it. Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. That's the Mark that the house it was his mother. That's the mark that wrote the gospel. So they brought him with them. So at the beginning, about that time when Herod started this, they had left to give the relief, and now they're back. They weren't even thwarted, they did what they were there to do. Gives new light to giving, too. They were given sacrificially to help people that were truly in need, they were sending relief to the brothers. There should not be one born-again believer, I believe this with all of my heart, anywhere in this world that suffers financially or material need, because I think the church ought to take care of them. If they're really following Jesus and living their life and doing what God wants them to do, they shouldn't have to suffer. And that's what these guys were doing. So the encouragement to you, stand strong, be anxious for nothing, Believe what you pray. Tell people what God's done. Make sure you're following the one true God. Share the gospel and watch God give the growth. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for letting us be here today.